Welcome to Passing the Plate, the podcast that's all about food, traditions, and the incredible connections they create. I'm Ashley Covelli, the food writer and recipe developer behind Big Flavors from a Tiny Kitchen. And I'm Lisa Listen, the genealogist and family history expert behind Are You My Cousin? We are your guides on this flavor-packed adventure. We're not just talking about recipes. We're diving into family history, exploring new cultures, and preserving favorite recipes for future generations. In short, we're celebrating the stories and tastes that come with every bite. So grab a seat at the table and let's head out on a journey of flavor, tradition, and connection. This is Passing the Plate, where every episode is a feast for the senses and a celebration of togetherness. Today's episode is all about food, travel, and connecting to your heritage. You know, your roots are more than just a place on a map. We love to travel, but it's really not about the selfies or the souvenirs. Travel lets us explore our family history one bite at a time. As more and more people have discovered their ancestry through DNA testing or through researching their family trees, questions start to pop up about foods and recipes from those native lands. So Lisa, this is your area of expertise. How can people connect the dots between their DNA results and the types of food that their ancestors prepared and enjoyed? Okay, Ashley, I love this question because I'm a genealogy researcher, of course, and I spent a lot of time tracking down down ancestors in the records, a lot of time. I look for birth records. I look at death records, marriage records, wills, estate records. I love reading old historic newspapers. They are so interesting, and it was really fascinating what they would include in those records. But one of the, and one of the reasons I love the newspapers is that to really understand our ancestors, it's, they're more than just the name. They're more than just that name on that family tree. They had lives. And I love to look at how they, how did they live? What was their story? I want to know everything about you know, where they lived and what type of work they did. And I want to know what they ate because we actually still see it on our tables today. And it's, when you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. When you know America is kind of a nation of immigrants, people, we've had a long history of immigration over the years people coming in. And there's really nothing more comforting to an ancestor, to that person who's immigrating. And they arrive at Ellis Island. If maybe your ancestors came through Ellis Island, they didn't couldn't carry a lot with them. They didn't have a lot materialized to bring with them, really what they could carry. But, you know, they could carry that special recipe in their head, their food preparation methods, those were ingrained in their soul, literally. So, you know, even they might, maybe they brought a special ingredient or maybe they start, were able to recognize the similar ingredients once they got to their new home. But that was a food is such a source of comfort for them, as well as a, a way of connecting with other um, people of similar backgrounds in their new home. So those family recipes that we often might see on our family table, they can absolutely reflect our cultural roots of our heritage, of our ancestors. I love that. Um, I'm curious, how how often have you dived into the library's collection of microfiche? Is that still a thing? Um, it is, actually. So it tends to be, there are many records now, certainly for finding your ancestors online. There's lots of companies, large genealogy databases that are out there. And what I always tell people, though, is that as much as there is online, that is the tip of the iceberg when it comes to finding records that might be helpful in building out a family tree. Interesting. Um, yeah, the courthouse. I love getting into a courthouse because uh, you can look at the original documents. Um, you know, whenever possible, if you can see the the original document, oftentimes there are details there that if you're just reading a transcription, 
somewhere else, you might miss out on important details that could have been there, or something could have been transcribed incorrectly because you know, there's the handwriting was not always good. <laughs> or, and, but I mean, you're looking at a document that's 100 years old or 150, 200 years old, it's faded. So sometimes, you know, those transcriptions can be inaccurate and for good reason, actually. Um, but yes, microfiche, microfilm, yeah, um, I just remember, I remember I grew up in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and they have the public library there is huge. And we mm -hmm. I remember scrolling the little wheels and like flipping through all the old um, newspapers. And I think their ancestor genealogy department is one of the biggest ones maybe yes. in the country. Yes, so, Allen County Public Library. Yes, yep. definitely. That I is... love that you're familiar with my original hometown <laughs> library. And it's nowhere near you. It's nowhere near me right now. So that's too I've funny. I've never been, but I'm very familiar with them. But yes. so Maybe um, we need to plan a trip. I'll go ooh. back and visit my family and I'll take you to my childhood library. Road trip. Road trip. Yeah, I would okay. love it. I would love it. That'd be so cool. But yeah, you're right. So, so a lot of times when it comes to you know, um, researching family trees, it it is a lot of fun, and, and we are very fortunate to have so much that is currently online. Uh, but it, there are often times when you really get deep into it. You don't have to go far before you, you struggle to find that next ancestor back. Um, we have to get into some of the original records or, you know, possibly microfilm, microfiche type things. Um, not seen as many of those um, anymore, but um, it's still out there. So, yeah, definitely. And and speaking of like going to the courthouses and the different areas where these documents would be, you don't actually have to travel to be able to connect to the food and the culture of an area, though. Um, that's where I think food tours can come into play. Oh, absolutely. I love food tours because they're such a great way to really be able to taste the, you know, taste the foods that our ancestors may have had and think about how they would have um prepared those foods. So one of the things that um, my husband and I do a lot, Ashley, is, is actually how you and I get to meet up sometimes in real life, is we, we like to travel to New York. And it's been very a lot of fun for me to walk the streets in the Lower East Side because my husband's ancestors actually came into New York when they immigrated to America and lived in that area for a time period. And I actually know, based on census records, I actually know their street addresses. from. Oh, that's them. awesome. Where did they immigrate it's, from, his family? They, it was, at the time, it was considered Russia, but okay. it would be what is today modern-day Lithuania. It would have been okay. where they came from. And so to be able to w literally walk the streets that they walked was amazing, to be able to to understand their stories and to see literally the sights that they would see. Um, because we were walking down the street one day and looked up and it's like, I'm elbowing my husband going, that's the synagogue where, you know, your great, great grandparents got married. It was just really cool. That's to be able really to, like, cool. Oh my gracious. I just was reading about this and here it is. And so, but, but then, you know, I'd love to taste the different tastes of the different cultures, mm -hmm. certainly our own cultures, but others as well to really get to understand it. it it tells us there's this innate sense and innate connection that you get when you are tasting the same taste that they had. You're walking the streets, you're tasting the same foods that they tasted. There's just a connection there that I think that we feel kind of in, in our souls without, it's, it's really difficult to put into words, but you feel it in your souls. And it's mm -hmm. a wonderful way to be able to do it, to go through these food tours, um, I think are, are just an amazing way to 
be able to connect because when you join a food tour, they know where all the good places are. Right. It's funny because I went to Denver um, this past spring or summer. And um, I had heard people saying like, oh, there's no food scene in Denver. And I was like, I will find good food wherever I go. Like, I feel like I have a pretty good radar for it, I guess. And um, we went on at, with Delicious Denver. And I'll put a link in the show notes so that people can find if they're in the area, they want to check these out. We did a downtown Denver food tour and it was spectacular. And I tell you, there was such a wide variety of foods that I hadn't expected. Um, and I was a little suspicious at first when they took us to like a pizza place. Cause I'm like, you know, I live in New York. I feel like I'm a little <laughs> spoiled by pizza. Yes. I grew up in the Midwest and that was like the land of Domino's and pizza hut. But I was really impressed with like the pizza was very good. It was, um, so they do a really wide range of places on these tours. So you're not just getting, unless it's a themed like Italian food tour, you're getting a lot of different cuisines. You're getting steps in in between. So it's not like you're sitting down eating five meals in a row. You're eating a little <laughs> bit. You're walking, you're exploring the scenery. The food, the tour host, uh, tour guide usually gives you a good, um, overview of the area, the story behind the places. There was a uh, there was a hot dog place where all of the hot dogs are made with wild game, and this place has big advertisements on the outside. I'm blanking on the name right now. Um, it's like Wild Gyms or something like that. But they um, Anthony Bourdain ate there years ago, obviously, and proclaimed that place to be the reason why Denver has like a food scene. So I'm like, if it's you know if it impressed Anthony Bourdain, I feel like. But I mean, right. we're talking like very interesting meats and things. So that was a lot of fun. Um, and then obviously here living in New York, we've got a wealth of different immigrant populations and really interesting and eclectic foods. So and I don't know if you've been on this tour, but there's a company called Big Onion Walking Tours. And they have um, a multi-ethnic eating tour of New York's Lower East Side. And you get to the um, the tour guides there from their website. They say... Um, uh, Big Onion Walking Tours emphasize the diversity of New York City's neighborhoods and people. Our educator guides expertly use architecture and the built environment to explore the city's historical roots of immigration, race, ethnicity, and gender that have shaped the city's unique social and cultural identity. So they know, they have a wealth of knowledge. A lot of them are like graduate students or they're in the field of like actually knowing history. So you're really getting a well-informed view of like a full picture in addition to interesting foods. So like we saw the tenement buildings, we got to try like Malaysian beef jerky. We went to like all these different places. There was a pickle shop with things that were pickled that I didn't even know you could pickle. Um, and again, you're getting to walk and explore and hopefully the weather's nice. Um, but yeah, there's okay. just tons of, of options there. I want to sign up for that, that one. So I've done, um, I know my husband, I've done a food tour through the Lower East Side on free tours by foot, which is another oh. really great. Um, is that a self-guided uh, one? It is not. They have some self-guided, but uh, they do have, they have tour guides. And it, it basically, it is, it's free tours by foot, but you pay what you, what you want okay. at the end. And so, and these guys do a phenomenal job as well. But I love what you said. And I love what you were saying about the big onions, what they have on their website. Um, because they're exploring the city's historical roots of the immigration, race, ethnicity, and gender, and how it shaped the city's mm -hmm. the city's identity, that area's identity. And I think that's so important because that's exactly really one of the things that I teach when I teach genealogy to and speak on that is we have to understand 
the context. We have to understand the social history surrounding our ancestors for that time period that they lived in that area because it really speaks to who they were and it makes it impacts decisions that they made. Mm. So it's a really amazing, it's it's definitely, you know, in, in food, obviously, housing and food are, are made a huge impact on what our ancestors did and how they made decisions on what they were what they would do, whether they stayed in an area or whether they left an area. Yeah. And one other note I would have um, for anybody who's taking a tour and we'll link to all these companies in the notes, but Google's your best friend. There's tons of tours available. Um, If your tour guide is doing a great job, I know they work for tips. So if you have it, if it's in your means, like it's nice to show them a little appreciation that way, especially if you're spending hours with them learning about things. Um, I know it's always appreciated. Definitely. Plug for the service workers, you know. (laughs) Well, and and there are so many areas now that are doing, we're seeing more and more um, er, um, tours these days, food tours that are out there. And I love some of the ones that are themed are really cool to be able to go and kind of, um, because I hear, I live here down here in the South, you'll you'll find themed ones for barbecue or a Southern theme. You should come down after and do a barbecue theme. After we go to the (laughs) Allen County Public Library, we'll Mm -hmm. take a trip down to you and do a barbecue tour. (laughs) Right? We'll do barbecue tours. (laughs) Awesome. Are you worried your family recipes will be lost to time? Imagine generations gathering around your table, sharing stories, and enjoying dishes passed down for years. With the Passing the Plate video webinar and ebook bundle, you can make that happen. You'll learn how to capture those cherished recipes before they're lost from memory, uncover the secrets and heartwarming stories behind each dish, and connect you to your family's history in a powerful and delicious way. To learn more, head to passingtheplate.org slash resources. So let me ask you this. So there are a lot of, you know, we we think of the food tours in the big cities, but what happens if really you're in an area, if you live in an area, but you really aren't traveling or you're not traveling to an area that has food tours? Do you, mm. you know, what would you recommend, Ashley, as, you know, the foodie here, um, <laughs> what would you recommend somebody do if they're trying to kind of build it on their own? Right. That's a great question. Um, so I feel like, you know, like I said, I, I kind of sense out, I, I, I sniff out good food where I go. A lot of times you'll see like kind of hole in the wall places. Those sometimes are hidden gems. So sometimes if you're just exploring a new area or even downtown and you see in your own uh, hometown and you see somewhere you haven't tried before, maybe just give it a try. Like just test it out. If it's not great, you know, chalk it up to a lesson learned. But um, a lot of times if I'm going somewhere new, I'll kind of, uh, I'll, I'll go on Google and you can even create like a list on Google Maps um, where you can save different locations into like a folder for whatever. So like say I'm going to Atlanta, um, obviously I'm sure they have food tours, but you could search places, you could look at reviews if you want. Um, if I'm looking for somewhere with reviews, I'll usually look for somewhere that's got a really high rating with a lot of reviews. So if there's two places, one has five stars, but there's only three reviews and another has four stars, but there's a thousand reviews, I'd probably go to the four star one because, you know, that's a high average for a lot of people. That makes sense. Um, So I tend to like just poke around and I'll look for a variety of different places. So like if I've found a place that does um, Japanese food, maybe then I'll try to find something like Ethiopian or Mexican or um, Middle Eastern just to try to get like a variety in there. And then once you have those all in on Google Maps, you can... Um, 
have them show up as the little markers and you can see kind of which mm -hmm. is close to which other one so if you wanted to like organize your own food food tour say you had like um the places i mentioned before maybe you stop at the japanese place and you get an appetizer and then you based on the map see which one's the next closest and then you can walk and if it's walkable you could walk over and go and get maybe a salad from the middle eastern place and then go and get i would probably Unless you're sharing, if you have a lot of people, maybe you could get an entree to share. You know, you also don't want to take up a whole table with, like, five people getting one entree. Um, but, you know, okay. so I feel like just, like, trying a little something from each place and then maybe save the one that you think might have an interesting dessert and save that for the end. Um, so you could do that. You could also, um, if you're at a place in your own town or in a new town, you can ask the staff at a local restaurant or uh a store if you're if you're shopping like a little boutique or something you could ask them say where do you like to eat or shop or whatever um that's a good yeah idea. <laughs> so there's um there's this instagram account spirited la and the host hostess um her name is hannah chamberlain and she has this great series on there it's all cocktails but she has this great series called drinking whatever bartenders tell me to in and then the different cities so like las vegas dublin seattle so she'll go to a bar, she'll go up to the bartender and, you know, get a drink, and then she'll say, hey, where do you go for a drink? Like, what's your go-to drink in town? And they'll say, oh, I like to get a Manhattan from this bar. So that's her next stop. She'll order a Manhattan, and then she'll ask that bartender, hey, where do you go for a drink, and what do you order in town? And they're like, oh, I go to this place, and I get a, you know, whatever. So it's just an interesting way for her to kind of let the locals guide her, and they're the people in the service industry. So I feel like you could do that with food, too. I think you could. That's a really interesting. See, I'm going to look at that, but I think that sounds what a what a, what an excellent. You ask ask the people in the know right. um, where they eat, and I think that's an amazing way to do that. Yeah, especially um, it reminds me a, a little bit of a restaurant that my husband and I did in New York, and I wish I could remember the name. I can't, but it's Georgia. Okay, and so we went and we explained to her we came because we we were interested in trying the Georgian food. And so we, you know, we did exactly what you said. We, we actually looked up all the mm -hmm. reviews and found that this one had good reviews. And we went and we talked to the, to the hostess and they were amazing. They were telling us all about the food and there's a lot of cheese. It was oh, wonderful. They, they, but they were telling us a lot about the, you know, the, what they used to make the food. And then they gave us a dessert. And said, well, we want you to make sure we want to make sure you try this very traditional oh, Georgian awesome. dessert that we that's very common and and it was a really amazing um, time to be able to connect with the staff there on that. So that's a really yeah. neat. That's a great way. Well, to go and about if you it. are in say something like that, and we do have up in Westchester County here in Mount Kisco, we have a, a Georgian restaurant that's very good. Um, uh, if you're talking to them already, and you can tell they're interested in talking about the ingredients, and it's not just like a we're clocking in, we're clocking out type of job, you could ask them like. Where do you go for, like, if they have, you were talking about cheese, like this special type of cheese, like where, where would I buy something like that? And maybe they'll direct you to a local place where you could do that. So I know, like out here, there's a lot of different, like, specialty markets, like, you know, like an Indian grocery or a Latin grocery store, um, Korean markets. I know, like, H Mart is a big um, chain. I think it's, I think it's across the country. Um, but there's a lot. Yeah. Um, so or spice shops, you know, just in 
you yes, you can order them online, but there's something about going to a spice shop that really is an interesting way to kind of explore a new cuisine. And I think you and I went both one time, the first time that we hung out. We went to two. Yes. I think we yeah. went to two, yes. And it was it was really cool. It was the very first time that Ashley and I had in met person. After in knowing person. For I mean, like, we've known each other for a number <laughs> yeah. of years. And um we went to the spice shop and it was an it was really so much. I mean, I've been to spice shops before, but to go with you, <laughs> Ashley, we, you know, because there's a lot there that I didn't recognize. Mm-hmm. Or I'm like, oh, that looks interesting, but I would never know what to right. do with it, you know, kind of thing. And just to hear your perspective from with your food background and uh, in recipe development, I was like, oh, it was an amazing time to really look at that. And I, le- I learned so much about different types of spices. Yeah. That were there. It was, it was well, amazing. and places like that, if you, you know, talk to the staff, if it's a special, if it's like specifically a spice shop, I'm sure they'll have a lot of knowledge about the different, the different blends or ingredients. Um, or like if you have a, a Penzi's spices near you, um, they have jars out of all the different spices and you can open, you take the lid off and you sniff them. So you can smell the difference between Vietnamese cinnamon or the Ceylon cinnamon or the different varieties. So you can actually like experience it before you buy it. Um, But it's just interesting to see like there's not just one type of oregano. There's Turkish oregano. There's Mexican Mm -hmm. oregano. Like there's just, um, it's, it's really cool. You can totally nerd out over this stuff. (laughs) <laughs> oh yes, we can. But I think a lot of, and I think part of what we're talking about today is is kind of I've seen kind of this underlying theme too is that we need to be talking to mm. people. We need to be talking to the locals. We need, you know, for if, if our and and I tell people this when you're doing genealogies, we've got to get away from the computer. The best thing, one of the best things you can do is actually shut the computer and get out there if, if you're able to get local or if you just need, you know, need to talk to somebody who is, you know, from that culture Mm -hmm. and to be able to learn about what customs were and what was important to that community at that time period. So it's a really great way to, to be able to do that. I agree. Yeah. yeah, Oh yeah. Clearly we're very shy people. Um, The other thing, if you are a little like leery of going out and like talking to the world or maybe not quite as outgoing, check out your local library. Many of them have really in interesting cookbook sections and depending on your library there'll be more or less cookbooks in it but i know out here the um several local libraries they have the cookbooks divided by cuisine so you could like if you want to explore some new new to you types of cuisines you could say all right i'm going to grab one book from the middle eastern section and i'm going to grab one book from the italian section and i'm going to grab one book from the asian section and just like even if you don't cook from them a lot of these cookbooks have really interesting stories on the background of the ingredients the culture the cuisine and it's a really great way to explore that's you you bring up an excellent point i hadn't really thought about it. i love I do love to get the cookbooks, but you're absolutely right. The backstory mm-hmm. on the recipes and the ingredients is so valuable to and and interesting to learn about that culture and that food. Yeah. So, yeah or definitely. even if you wanted to like get a variety from one cuisine, like Korean cuisine, you could get four or five different cookbooks on that and see different authors' perspectives on the same cuisine. Mm. You know? That's it. That's a good point. I'll be going to the library later today, guys. <laughs> Support your local libraries. <laughs> you can check out a free copy of Lisa's Guide on Exploring Your Family Heritage, along with links to the food tour companies and spice shops we discussed in the show notes for this episode at passingtheplate.org slash 04. 
Well, that's a wrap on this episode of Passing the Plate. We hope you enjoyed our journey into the world of food, traditions, and the amazing connections they create. As always, it's been a pleasure sharing these delicious stories with you. Remember, food is more than just sustenance. It's a way to connect the dots between our past, present, and future. And until next time, happy eating, happy connecting, and pass the plate. Head to passingtheplate.org forward slash podcast for show notes. 